You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds. Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we'll take you live to the FinCon booth at the biggest conference for podcasters, Podcast Movement, where we'll meet up with some of our money podcasting friends to find out what their audiences are worried about with their money. Join me in welcoming from the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, Mindy Jensen, and from Retirement Starts Today Radio, CFP Benjamin Brandt. And rounding out our group, a Nashville local and the voice behind the Micro Empires podcast, Jennifer Grimson. Don't worry, halfway through the show, Joe will toss it back to me for some political-themed trivia. And now, say hello to a guy who has gone to Nashville, Tennessee without inviting me. It's Joe Saul Seahawk. Hey, thanks, Doug. It is super exciting to be back here with real people again. It's amazing. Yeah. The wait is over. <laughs> I'm not sure if it should be over or not, but it's over. <laughs> but we've got three characters here with us today. Let's just go around the table. We're going to start on my left. The woman behind the empire that is Micro Empires, Jennifer Grimson's here. Hi, how are you? I'm thanks for having me. Great. Now that you're here, are you showing me? I don't know. I'm, I'm doing what <laughs> Ben's doing. Yes, I just I, just I like how we're so, is it I, I'm holding I've up no, my badge because I'm I don't know I've got a forgettable face so I just okay. I just show the badge everywhere. you really don't have a forgettable face you have Not, a forgettable name Jen <laughs> tell everybody what you do on the micro empires podcast so I'm the host and the creator I do it all but the show is about building wealth a small empires for wealth and security because you don't have to be wealthy to build wealth so it, really it is it is a lot of fun. You have some very deep conversations. I do. Some emotional topics of people. Yes. We talk a lot about money culture. You can't separate money from gender, money from race, money from your family, your emotions, your marriage. You just can't separate it. But I think we're kind of taught like we're supposed to. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. So yeah, we have a lot of, I've had a lot of tears on the show. Most recently me, but yeah. A woman who I get teary every time I'm around her, Mindy Jensen from Bigger Pockets Money is back. That makes my heart sing, Joe. <laughs> I, I didn't say that was good. Good tears, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm very pleased that I make you cry every time I see you. Oh, um, I just want to highlight what Jennifer just said. You said what? you don't have to be wealthy to build wealth. I love that because there are so many people who don't even get started because, oh, I don't have any money or I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, you... That's when you have to get started because you're not gonna. It's not gonna just pile up with no effort at all. So I right. love that phrase. I'm gonna right. steal that. I'll give Thank you credit, you. but I'm gonna Thank totally you. steal that. In Wonderful upcoming episode. Nice. Now that we made a love connection, can we keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my name is Mindy Jensen. I am the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. I am the boss of the world over at BiggerPockets.com, yes. where we teach people how to invest in real estate. And I love talking about real estate and money all day long. I'll even talk about it with Joe Salcihai. Oh, wow. That's a stretch. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I saw uh, General Norman Schwarzkopf speak once at a conference, and he said there's two people in every organization. There's the person who's the de facto leader. They've got the name tag that says, I'm the leader, right? right. And then you've got that person in the group who, if they ain't doing it, nobody's going to do it. Right. At Bigger Pockets, that is Mindy That's Jensen. Mindy. Oh, my goodness. That That's makes Mindy. my heart sing, Joe. That is totally you are, You're Mindy the neck. Jensen. Are you the neck that moves the head? <laughs> oh, I like that. Remember that? <laughs> She's the puppet master yes. over at Bigger Pockets. <laughs> She's right. The and the guy who's the puppet master all the way from Bismarck, mm. Ben Brandt is back. 33 miles from the geographical center of North America. That's Bismarck. That's our claim to fame. Our second claim to fame is we're the state without Mount Rushmore. So that's that's our second claim. Okay. claim. But okay. I'm Benjamin Brandt. I am the voice behind Retirement Starts Today. I'm a practicing financial advisor, and I teach people how to retire. And Retirement Starts Today, you have a lot of fun there, too. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, we talk retirement topics every Monday morning. It's such a good time. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm glad you guys are all here. You all have these dynamic audiences. You're having conversations with people all the time. Jen, let's start with you. This is my favorite thing to do at Podcast Movement every year. Let's kind of like we're kind of feeling our way around a conference. Let's kind of feel our way around financial topics in 2021, Mm -hmm. hopefully coming out of COVID. What are people worried about with their money that they're telling you? You know, honestly, I think it comes back to the messages I get from listeners, and I'm really flattered by this. They're very personal, and it comes back to not... You know, you don't have to be wealthy to build wealth, frankly. You could start at zero, which is terrifying for folks. And also a lot of like, what does that mean? How do I do that when I'm an imposter? I can't possibly do this or I'm not smart enough or, you know, strong enough or whatever it is. So I think that's what's concerning people and just in general fear. But I think that happens no matter what, right? I mean, this last year and a half has been tough. Let's face it but there's been tremendous opportunities for growth. So I think more than anything, I talk to people about fear, whether fear facing what they owe, their debt, whatever, or fear of you need to make a move. You need to take a step. You need to get in the right pool with the right people and start taking action. God, there's so much there, Jen. Sorry. No, no, that's all great stuff. But I want to start with this. When you talked about this imposter syndrome, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that think that money people, like us, this little nerds around this table, yes. like we were born this way. Like somehow all of a sudden, <laughs> like I was exactly, Mindy, were you great with money? Because you, I mean, don't get I've you, always your, been perfect, Joe. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You talk to 23-year-old Mindy and you'd be like, what are you doing? Right. Don't do, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Why would you even consider doing that? I mean, I have really made a lifetime's worth of bad decisions around money. And look at where I am now. You don't have to be wealthy to build wealth. And if I hadn't believed that right. when I was 23, I wouldn't be wealthy today. Right. Do, you, do you see that though, Ben, that with uh, clients that it's a mindset shift? It can be, especially from, you know, my clients are graduating out of the accumulation phase and they're going into the distribution phase. Same with my listeners of the show. And I think there's a lot of fear involved with uh, my paycheck. You know, the economy is, is maybe not so great in some places, regardless of what the housing market is doing. And they're saying, I'm leaving what is oftentimes a six-figure job voluntarily. You know, people would kill for this job. And then they're going to live off their savings for the rest of their life. So Something there's that a lot feels of, like a sure thing for yeah. this pit of who the hell knows where right. I'm going. Just yeah. a giant bag of uncertainty. Jumping off. Yeah. yeah. You're speaking about giant bag of uncertainty. Jen, you've told this story before. Your life was that, right? Yeah. So I lost everything twice. No job, no car, no place to live. Chapter 13 bankruptcy. I did that twice. And the second time I was 41 years old, which is why I talk about you can start from zero. And tremendous fear around that and just beginning from there. But yes, I absolutely um, know what it's like. You know, I say if there's a mistake, I've made it. And my mistakes were relational. So they weren't me out spending money buying Jaguars. It was me making poor relationship choices. And that happens to a lot of men and women, but mostly women, where you're in a relationship, maybe you don't know where the money's going, maybe you don't understand, or, you know, my, my situation's a little different, but it doesn't really matter how you get there. I got there. But you were in a toxic place in a relationship. Yes. My first marriage... Um, My ex-husband sued me 25 times in 10 years, and I amassed over $500,000 in attorney's fees. That's what drove me into bankruptcy twice. Holy moly. And, you know, there's a lot of shame around it. I don't know if you all, I mean, if you experience this with your listeners, but part of deciding to do this podcast was 
I got to come out of the closet and tell my story. And I had hidden it because there was tons of shame. Yeah. You know, how could I have done that? How could I have been with that person and all the shame behind it? But I decided to share it. That's what drove me in. But it could have been anything. But that is what made it happen to me. You guys have at uh, Bigger Pockets Money, Mindy. I know you guys have really been exploring that vein of a lot of your listeners' stories, right? Yeah, it, it's got to be difficult for these people to come on a show like yours and tell some of these stories, like Jen's talking about. We don't approach it from a "oh, look at all the things you did wrong" aspect because how can I fix what you've done in the past? I can't change it, so I, I guess change is the word, not fix. I can't change what has happened. Let's start from where you're at, and we take a look over your shoulder where like you're in the middle of it. You can't see these other options. All you can see is the one path that you're in. So Scott and I come in and say, well, have you considered this? Oh, I didn't know that that was over there. Now I can go check right. that out. And, and this could be an option and that could be an option. So, but yeah, getting over the, the financial shame is so important. And, you know, really who has not made a financial decision? Isn't there some guy named Dave Ramsey who's like, right perfect in every way. Just and down the street. Had, yeah, just down the street. He had his start in some pretty hefty debt. And that doesn't make him a bad person. That doesn't define him. That just is a starting point from where you are. And wherever you are now, make that your starting point and let's go. You right. Know? And, and if you dedicate too many mental calories to what I did wrong in the past, what opportunities are you going to miss going forward to, to make your, write your own new narrative, right? Ooh, quote that. That was Yeah, good. that's a good one. And you, see, good. and you see people who can't get away from that, by the way. I have relatives who just can't stop telling that negative story over and over and over. Themselves, and everybody yeah. sees it, I think, but them. Right. That, that you can't, how can you, it, it's like the past is not equal to the future. You know, right. how about that one? Right. Can you oh, quote exactly. that one? Yeah, we yes. can quote that. You know, this is interesting to me. A listener said, um, we were talking about making money mistakes, et cetera. And she has quite a bit of money, uh, great income, lots of equity, still terrified, frozen in fear to make a step to do something different. So she's locked in this miserable job. And she said, you know, I'm just terrified of making a mistake. And I was like, but I make mistakes. And she said, you do? And I was like, oh my God, of course I do. And I think her heart sunk like, oh no, wait, I thought you had it all figured. I'm like, girl. You, you're listening to the wrong show. That, that's not what you're getting here. Um, no, I'm still making mistakes. And, you know, I thought a great quote I heard from somebody, and I don't know what it is. Do You know, all of us probably have a pair of pliers in our garage, right? Does that qualify us to do dental work? I'm pretty sure not. So why should we expect to know our money when we were never trained in it? We never knew, or we did maybe not even trained in it, but just knowing, especially real estate, the ins and outs, all the opportunities that are available. Jen, sticking with you, to start with a mindset shift, was it building an emergency fund? Was it, I mean, wh where did you begin to get out of the hole? I mean, literally, tactically, I, I walked through all the steps in the show and I'm happy to, to share that. But I, I will say that I had sales training. I just think it helps you deal with rejection. Mm. And I also, there was just a voice inside my head that was like, I had no choice. It's amazing what um, I've driven by necessity can do for you. Yeah. And I was like, I have no choice. It, there's only one place to go and it's up and I'm going and no one's going to stand in the way. And even when I didn't believe it myself, when people say no, even to this day, I'm like, thanks so much. I'm going. And I do believe it. Of course, there's a tiny voice inside my head that says, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, it's, you're not, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman, so I'm not 23. But, yeah, it was definitely a mindset. It's a mindset I have to do every day. You know, if you're not your own cheerleader, I don't know who you think is going to be it. But you got to start with you, I think. This, this client that you're talking about, Benjamin, going from this six-figure certain income into this pit of nothing... I'm imagining you got to start with mindset there too, changing the mindset. Yeah, I think one way to alleviate fear, and, and for me it's in retirement planning, but it could be anywhere in, in your financial journey is, is having those contingencies, right? Like having that plan to fall back on. So for a lot of people that might be like an emergency fund or might be the ability to start up a side hustle or it's a contingency. Like here's plan A, here's the track I'm going to run on. But if that doesn't work, I've got plan B. I've got home equity. I've got a good credit. I've got an emergency fund. I've got something. I've got a strategy to reduce my income from my portfolio over time. Right? We call it retirement income guardrails. But I've got something that if this doesn't work, I can pivot, I can pivot, I can pivot. And I think that brings a lot of certainty by removing a lot of the fear. Yeah, that's definitely true. I'm going to talk about that in broad strokes. Mindy, men versus women, women expected to live longer. Do you think women worry more about the downside in general when it comes to investing and saving than men do? 
I would say if I have to speak in general terms like this, thank you for putting me on the spot. Yeah, speak for all women, Mindy, please. Men as a whole typically have more confidence than women as a whole. Women, I think, question what they're doing a little bit more than men do. So in that context, I would say, yes, you are correct. Women. But is it also, though, a longevity thing that women are fairly certain they're going to live longer? And if you're going to live longer, you probably got to be a little more conservative. No? Well, I mean, you need your money to last longer, but I'm coming for, at this from a different place. I have all the confidence of too many people put in one person. So I'm like, I'm not worried about running out of money, even if, you know, because I've done the math. I've, William Bengen is a brilliant man and he did that 4% rule thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. And then he came back later and said, you know what? Maybe 4% was a little too conservative. Maybe you can spend a little bit more. Like they run the numbers and in one case they ran out of money. And in all other cases, they had so much more than they started off with. And so I'm not worried about that. I don't know that I'm a good person to speak for all women. I'm sorry. You know, I think I'm not a good woman to Jim, speak for speak? all women, but I'm jump right in right here. <laughs> Please speak for all women. Um, I'm just going to give it a shot. Because then I'll Benjamin speak for all men everywhere. Right. Oh, I got or it. Or he can speak for all women either way. <laughs> um, but I do think that women as a whole, and, I, and this is statistically true, women turn the finances over to men in a marriage or in their relationship, even though men have no more training than they do. And actually women outperform men in their investments when they invest. However, women struggle to make that investment. And it's really hard. I've done it myself and I understand what it's like. There is something to be said for gender roles. And I have to remember that, you know, I remarried late in life just a few years ago and we came with our own assets and we're both alpha dogs and we were both providers. I mean, you want to be at the kitchen table with us two and it's a, you know, kind of a nightmare, but I'm so, um, you know, my own money culture. And by the way, if you think she's kidding, watch her Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> and she is not kidding. I'm not kidding. Her and her husband, Alpha Dog, part two. Part two. Exactly right. But I do think it's true. And I think it's hard. Like when you talk about the 4% rule and anybody listening to this show probably knows about it, getting to the point where you understand what that is and having the security to say, this is what I want to demand it, especially if you've been a woman who's chosen to stay at home with the kids, or that's been your choice in your family. There's a lot of, well, he takes care of the money and I don't really know. And 27 years into a marriage and you get a divorce and you find yourself penniless. I get a lot of those messages yeah. as well. I hated it when I was a financial planner sitting with spouses that knew nothing about money. That must have, Benjamin, happened to you once or twice. That's actually what got me into financial planning as a career. My grandpa died my senior year in high school. And the company, the insurance company that I interned for, they actually went through to my grandma's house and they pulled out all the files. They had tax returns that were just like carbon, half a piece of carbon paper from the 40s, oh all the way gosh. up to 2000 when, when I graduated high school. So that's all my grandma had to figure out what sort of investment she had. And she went to every financial advisor appointment, but she would sort of assume that role. And she would think about, are we going to go out to dinner after this? Or, you know, are there clothes in the dirt? This is from her. She would tell me. I totally checked out. And now here we are 21 years later after Grandpa died. He did all of the investing. Uh, and she, at that point, had no idea where anything was coming from. So that left such an impression to me as a senior in high school. I really wanted to learn about finance and learn how to spread that word. Wow, that's... Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. We're going to throw this back to Doug. He's got some trivia ready for us. We can get a drink and take a few seconds while everybody gets their thinking cap on. We're going to find out what the listeners at Bigger Pockets Money are thinking. And retirement starts now. We'll be right back after Doug. Thanks, Joe. Sounds like you're having great fun out there in Nashville. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let's take a breather from podcast movement. Just so you have something to talk about on today's uh, Zoom work call thingy, Turns out that this month, way back in 1920, women were suffering, apparently, uh, which is absolutely terrible news. The 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution passed back in 1920. Guaranteed women's suffrage. Can you believe that elected officials signed off on this nonsense? I mean, no wonder women are hurting so much. And of course... The government's behind it. I mean, they, they do that kind of stuff all the time. We got a long way to go, ladies. I mean, am I right? Am I right? When I'm right, I'm right. Before I go write a strongly worded letter to my Congress person voicing my concerns, let's get to today's trivia. What state 
first passed the 19th Amendment. I'm going to be back with your answer faster than you can end suffering everywhere. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? Uh, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, Here's a disclaimer. you got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st, so get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Suffrage. Suffrage. Hey there, stackers. I'm bearing some really good news. After a history lesson from Joe's mom upstairs, I've been told that Thank God all that suffrage back a hundred years ago actually had nothing to do with the type of pain and misery she was laying on me for not knowing this little tidbit. I mean, she really put a hurting on me. It just actually meant the right to vote. I, why use that word? That word is so confusing. Suffrage just got nothing to do with voting. What? And, all right, ladies. We did it. We did it. I mean, we did it, you know, like a hundred years ago, but belated high fives all the way around. Give me a high five way up top. So back to our trivia question. The question was what apparently forward looking state first passed the 19th amendment. Would you guess that in a blatant tie in today's podcast movement episode in Nashville, Tennessee was our woman's suffrage pioneer. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you all knew that of course. Okay. For me, I got to go back upstairs because Joe's mom said we need to make some sangria to celebrate. And for you, well, I'm just going to pass you over back to Joe, a guy who knows what he's talking about. Thanks, Doug. And by the way, for everybody who went and looked for a Retirement Starts Now podcast <laughs> and they didn't find Benjamin's podcast, Retirement Starts Today, you're sitting right next to me and I messed it up. That's right. It happens. It happens yes. to the best of us. And he has a name badge on. I just wanted to point that out. I'm yes. just saying, and like, he's, he's next to you like with a name badge on that he's holding up. Retirement <laughs> starts today. Yeah. Like right there. Like but it you. starts now. <laughs> yeah. But you said that was your original shower ID anyway. So. Right. Retirement starts now. Retirement starts yesterday. I had, I had all the ideas. Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, retirement starts today, maybe today, but it's going to be next. Today, right now, we're going to talk about bigger pockets money. That did not go as smoothly as it was in my head, but we're going to run with it. <laughs> okay. Mindy Jensen, tell me what the listeners at Bigger Pockets Money are talking about. So, Bigger Pockets is a real estate investment 
platform. We teach you how to invest in real estate. So a lot of people who listen to The Money Show are interested in investing in real estate. And the current real estate market is really on everybody's mind and how just absolutely crazy the prices are in almost every market in America. Prices are going up, 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 even after we've had a year and a half of COVID with tenants not paying their rents and, you know, landlords not being able to evict them. Prices are going through the roof. So people are wondering, is this a real estate bubble? Am I ever going to be able to afford a property again? Am I going to be able to buy a house for me to live in? Because I keep getting outbid by all of these either cash buyers or investors or big corporate conglomerates that are coming in and buying up everything. So that's really kind of number one on their list is, you know, what's going on with the real estate market. I think when it comes to real estate, overpaying is always a problem, right? You see people paying too much. You think, Benjamin, as our CFP here, that there's more risk right now in real estate than normally? I think it all depends on what your timeline is, right? Like I I was going to ask you, how do you know if you are making a good financial decision or you're just participating in FOMO? Because Mm -hmm. this is what I, I, I deal with this with clients is that, We've been shopping for this house. They're almost approached it too conservatively. Like I've been shopping at, you know, Cape Cod or somewhere for years, and prices are going up and up and up. And I and I want to wait for that market to come back, but maybe it never will, right? Maybe it's ten years out, just like the stock market. If someone's going to buy a house and stay there for the rest of their lifetime, does the price really matter that much? Or how do you know if you're making a sound decision, or you're just adding fuel to the FOMO fire? And by the way, you. When you say asking you for our audio listeners, he pointed at Mindy. So the fa- <laughs> Mindy's not going to jump in here. It's actually you. You was Mindy. Yes, I knew he was talking to me, Jeff. You did, but nobody else did. They're going to be like, why the listeners it- could tell I was pointing. Why I think. the hell is why the hell's Mindy Jensen jumping in on everything? Because they're if they've heard me before, they know exactly <laughs> they why I'm jumping in on everything. Because that's just me. That's what she does. So that's an interesting point. I am a licensed real estate agent in Colorado, and I am currently helping people buy houses. I don't do a lot of listing. I mainly help buyers. When you come to me and say you want to buy a house, I can show you what houses have sold for in the last two or three months. Based on that, we are making offers on properties. So the people that I'm helping right now aren't near the, you know, they're not retired. They typically move every five to seven years is, is the average American move. Um, so we've got people, I'm thinking, well, they say they're going to live there forever. Maybe they're not going to. We're in the hottest market we've ever seen. Houses come on the market on Wednesday or Thursday. Showings are Friday, Saturday, Sunday for 15 or 30 minutes, and that's all you get to make a $500,000 decision. Oh, man. Yeah. And then offers are due Sunday night or Monday morning. If you want to win your bid, you are waiving your inspection, not just saying I'm going to have one for information purposes. You're saying I won't have one at all. You are agreeing to cover the appraisal gap, which is the difference between your offer and what it appraised at. So if you offer 500 and it only appraises at 475, you're saying, I'll bring an additional 25 to closing. So in that context, from somebody who does need a mortgage, somebody who isn't going to live there the rest of their lives, they have resale value to think about, does it matter what you pay? I think it does. I think that in many cases, you're better off renting. And this is something that like, I've never really subscribed to before is that renting is better than than buying because it's the American dream. This is this thing we're all sold. You have to own a house. You don't have to own a house. In many instances, it's way easier to not own a house. It's way better financially to not own a house. On the flip side, if you have a client who wants to retire to Cape Cod, they want to live there, they have a very well-funded retirement plan, does it really matter in the course of their financial situation that they paid an extra $25,000? You know, does it matter that they brought $25,000 to closing? I never, ever, 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 ever want anybody to waive their home inspection because, you know, let's say you, well, wait, let's make it Joe. Let's say Joe has a 
piece of poo house that he wants to get rid of. It needs a new roof, and you know that that's $15,000, and you don't want to put that money into there. And it's got a broken foundation, and you know that's about $30,000, or at least that's what it was going to cost two years ago, and now costs have gone up on everything. Right. So you put it on the market in this amazing market. It's staged beautifully. Everything's fresh paint. It looks beautiful. Ben comes in, makes an offer, and says, I'll waive inspection. You close on the house, and then you move in, and you're like, now I have $75,000 worth of random repairs to Surprise. do that I didn't know about because I didn't get an inspection. Right. And if you would have gotten the inspection, maybe you would have said, hey, Joe, I'm going to need a bit of a reduction in order for me to go through with this house, or I'm not going to buy this sure. house. You can right. still walk away when you have the inspection. When you waive the inspection completely... You can't just walk away because you don't know that there's anything wrong with it. So, And if you're participating in FOMO and you tap all your cash assets to be a cash out, you might be cash poor when you move in and then you realize all these exactly. repairs have to be made. Yes. And you know, I'm a real estate investor as well. I probably bought and sold 11 properties in the last three years. but So I'm not like the biggest real estate investor, but you know, pretty heavy into it. So when I talk to people about that, and I'm not a real estate professional, nor am I a financial advisor... I always ask exactly what you were kind of talking about, Ben. You were saying, you know, is this your forever home? If it's your forever home, it's a different decision. It's all right. Maybe we are going to pay more, but we love it. We love the neighborhood. This is where we want to be. If it's, I, I want to make an investment because I'm missing out or I'm wasting money or I want to need a tax shelter or whatever. You know, I tell people to do the things that are not sexy. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Nashville is a perfect example. People are like, oh, it's so expensive. And it is. It's crazy. But I'm like, if your goal is to make an investment that can make you money, go look at some of the outlying areas, some of the less sexy areas. Go look at an older home. Go look at one that's been sitting there for two months, the one that hasn't sold, and get the inspection and do the things and move into it and make the money. But... It's very hard for people to do that. They, they're making that big, um, this is my forever home decision on a house that they really know they're not going to stay in for a couple years. And it's going to be very hard to make up that equity unless this market just keeps going, 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 which I don't think is possible. So what's the price point? This is a house you're going to live in forever. Are you willing to pay five years from now values, right? And then know that you're going to be sort of underwater for five years if prices fall out. Or is it 10 years? Is it 15 years? Like, what's the point? where you're going to pay for this in advance in today's dollars, where you think the value might be five years or 10 years from now. Is that kind of the the zone where you, you recognize you're paying over what too it might much. be worth too yeah. much? Yeah. For me, for me, not at all. Not None. at zero. all. You, no. you don't overpay zero. at all. Zero dot com. Okay. Zero dot zero percent of me. Making money on day one. Well, no. It's the mindset. Uh, no, I, I just bought a house and I think we did make money on day one, but there's no place in my brain where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to be okay paying now what I should be paying in five years for me because I have a money culture of fear and that would make me too scared all the time. So, so I, I always have to push against clients that are too conservative because you've got a million, two million, five million dollars in your retirement portfolio. I look at that as untapped retirement potential, right? So when you get, when you're 95 years old and you're on your deathbed, are you going to wish you had that hundred grand back? Are you going to wish you had 20 years of memories in this house that you've been lusting after for a decade, waiting to retire? All of your grandkids can come and spend Christmas together. You're not going to miss that hundred grand. You're going to, you're going to be happy at that 25 years of memories. So sometimes my job as an advisor, as a fiduciary, is to push against that and say, you're being too conservative. You can afford this overpay if you want to, because you're going to stay there forever. So I have to sort of reinforce that from the other side. I do agree with that. And I, I'll just give my example. I share all my numbers on the show. We put a house under contract in October of 2020 that was being built. And it was the first time that we ever went in and made a full price offer. And I was like sick to my stomach, just ugh. So we didn't close until April. And by the time April rolled around, we probably have gained a couple hundred thousand. In, and I, the That's builder, crazy. builder was just kicking himself like, oh, that get is out of this. crazy. I mean, maybe not that much, yeah. but we certainly didn't overpay. But even to your point, you're right. I guess what I was saying was the number that we paid at wasn't a number that was going to um, make my eyes bleed, keep me up at night, that sort of thing. So it's kind of like your comfort level. And I do agree, like money is not everything. You need money, time and options is what wealth is. So now I know, I know from your social media that you're selling a house too. Yes. And I think it's a house that you fixed up yourself. It looked 
beautiful. It's not. It's a house here in East Nashville, but we sold it nearly for what we paid for the new one, which is crazy. Because the new one is worth a lot more? Is that the... Or in, in my... In, in, my, in uh, your brain. Is, when is this coming out? Because yeah. my closing... My <laughs> next, closing's next week. Next Friday. Um, <laughs> no, it's worth every penny. What are you talking about? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, It actually... I mean, it's a fantastic house. And it was a great house for an older couple. I hate to say that. Uh, because it was kind of like a tree house, you know. But we wanted a flat yard and all that other stuff. But yeah, in the middle of this market. And, and we went high. We went really high. So it took us a little bit longer. You know, we weren't the ones with 40 offers out the door. Shame on us, but whatever. It took what it took. To you got it your out. price. That's right. So what I'm hearing two different clients. Your clients are at the retirement age. They have built all of their wealth, and now they're starting their retirement. Speaking of Benjamin's clients. Correct. Speaking Correct. of Benjamin's clients. I yes. love how we're pointing on an audio podcast. I'll point at you, Joe. And then- I thought this was YouTube. <laughs> Just, there's a bird in here. I know. Mindy pointed at me with one finger. Do you that know what this wild. is? Nobody could see this either. It's a flock of these. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're my should get, we should get this on video. This is fantastic. I'll, do, I'll record that off. I feel like this is a fishing show. We're like, I caught a fish this big. Everybody. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, But Jennifer is talking to people who are buying it now with the idea of making money now or moving into it now, but it may not be their forever home. And... You know, what you need to think of when you're buying a house is it's going to cost you 2 to 3% in closing costs, yeah. in addition to the, the cost of the house. When you sell, it's more like 8 to 10%. So if you're buying now and you're selling in two years, unless you're putting a lot of money into that house, which is what we do, we live in flip. So we okay. move in, we hold it for two years so we don't have, any pay, don't have to pay any taxes per Section 121. And then we sell it as our primary residence. I'm putting a lot of money into that house. I am raising the value considerably. So for me to move every two years is very different from somebody who's buying a ready-made house and moving in, doing nothing, and then selling it in two years because they've decided that they don't like it anymore. They just want a different house. So those are two different people. I would give advice to them in different ways. For your clients, they're already there. They can afford an extra $25,000. For your clients, they may not be there yet. And that extra $25,000 could be the difference between any cash flow at all for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. I think the difference is, are you investing? Are you consuming? Are you investing in the asset with the only reason to invest is because you expect a higher value or, or better cash flow in the future, or are you consuming it, right? You don't invest in a car, you consume the car, right? You can, you can use it for a specific purpose and it's going to improve your life. Same thing with this house. If you're going to live there for 20 years, don't think of it as an investment. You've got your investments, you've got your portfolio to do what they're going to do. If you're going to use this house and you're going to consume it, then look at it that way. Then it's okay to lose money. Not every asset you own has to make money. And you can't start off that way, right? But once you prove that you're financially independent, then you can have you can afford yourself that liability. Yes. So once you're there, once you have the money, if you're just starting out, it's it may be better for you to lose that property. But once you're already retired, yeah, the rules change. Right. Before we get to Benjamin's topic, ladies, both of you as real estate investors. Mindy, I want to start with you because I saw your last flip and the transformation in that house. Holy crap, is it beautiful? Thank I you. mean, it just, it looks. My husband helped a little. It looks, <laughs> it just looks so different. When you're thinking about flipping a house, you're obviously thinking about extracting much more, a lot more value out of it, right? Really increasing that curb appeal. What are the most important things in your mind? to get the highest future value from it when you're flipping. Okay, so the curb appeal is huge. When people drive up to your house, they look at your house, they're like, ugh, I don't want to go in there. You got rid You'll- of some huge bushes in the front. There were these like monster bushes oh, that were covered in overgrown. Up. I felt so guilty cutting down literally every tree in the front yard. But yeah. They were either dead or growing into my sewer pipe, so oh they gosh. all had to yeah. go. And then we redid all of the landscaping with uh, xeriscaping, so uh, low water and drought-resistant plants. But with pops of color, it was beautiful. We added a second story. We did this wraparound porch with these uh, slate pillars, porch posts, whatever. Mm -hmm. It was really beautiful. And we had planned that. That will get people to walk inside. It doesn't matter how beautiful the inside is if the outside looks like a dump. Mm -hmm. I agree. So we made the outside. And that outside was like $200 in plants and maybe $50 in dirt. Wow. And... 
probably like $500 in rocks, but it was like $1,000 transformed that whole front yard from dead amazing. and gross to beautiful and amazing. People would walk down our the, street. The ROI on that 1000 bucks. Right. Enormous. People would walk down the street and stop in front of the house and talk about it. Yep. Because it was beautiful. And then you walk inside and it's got an open floor plan. It has a beautiful kitchen, beautiful bathrooms, kind of a weird layout. Um, but that's the strongman competition. Yes, it's the strongman competition. If you want, Jennifer and I can show you how that works. <laughs> I'm sitting right here. I know you are. I'm sitting He's in right the room. Here. I mean, I'm staring right at that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Try that thing. So, you know, you want people to come in, and then once they're in, you want the house to be very similar to other houses in the neighborhood. So I put in granite countertops because everybody had maybe laminate and granite's not that much more expensive but it looks way nicer i had the color scheme at the time it's nice inside it's not different from all the other houses you don't want to go into you know where the houses are all granite countertops and stone tile floors and you've got laminate and you know linoleum yeah Um, you got to do some research on the neighborhood is what i'm hearing yeah and i'm an agent so i'm in all the houses every time they come on the market i'll go and tour them Um, but we we did a lot to that house. Uh, I'll send you a picture. You can, if you have show notes. Oh, you don't want the picture. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I was shaking my head. head. No. God, no. Don't no, send me. No, don't send the photo. Don't send me no, crap, no. Jensen. God. I get so tired. He's sending so, me pics all the time. A, this is an audio show again. None of us are getting that so far <laughs> yeah. today. It's, this was our favorite house to do. It was really, really beautiful. We get into the outside of the house. On the inside of the house, Jennifer... Uh, favorite room or a favorite uh, thing oh, to make it houses. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate that. <laughs> Do you mean just in when I'm looking at a house or y- what y- I want? Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to try to maximize the value and you're rehabbing a house, where do you go first? Well, I don't rehab houses myself, okay. um, but I definitely agree. And I know enough rehabbers to know kitchens definitely. And, and it's the feel, right? Can you, whether or not you're an entertainer, there's a reason that, in my opinion, like dining rooms are wasted space entirely. And houses have kind of moved that way where you have a dining area right off the kitchen and then the living, you know, it's kind of a great room and a flow, that sort of thing. So that's always important, probably more than anything else, really, more than closets or bedrooms. But bathrooms are important. That's for sure. And then just, you know, can you picture yourself there? I think that's that, that's the thing about great staging, right? Can someone walk in and just imagine themselves being there? I think that's where so many people miss the boat, just having bought two houses in the past three years that I was going to live in. Man, just people, stage your house, people. Yeah. It costs nothing. And if you make it look like a crate and barrel store, yeah. more people are going to want to live there. It's, it's just. True. I do want to correct you. It does cost something if you hire a professional stager. No, it if does. You use but the, your own furniture. Okay. Is it expensive? Yeah, no, by nothing. Like, by nothing, what I meant was the ROI on staging. Like oh, yeah. all the numbers I've seen on the return on investment. I think to your point, Mindy. Um, there was a point. Hang on. Everybody hold. People look at that cost. People look at that cost and they go, no, I'm not going to pay that. Yes. And I think that's a mistake. That's what I, I should have said. It can be high. That's what I should have said. It. it a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, like okay. twenty five hundred oh, wow. bucks. If you've got a really, you know, it depends on what you're doing yeah. and how big your space is. Well, that's not if bad. you have something weird, you definitely want to stage that so people know what it is. Yeah, some Agreed. weird little nook. Because we're we're planning on building a house and moving, and I have six kids, so there's no way I could do showings. I have to move out, own two houses at once, and so I was wondering about staging. Staging is if all of your stuff is out of that house. Step number one is clean it, and oh my goodness. Deep. In this market, so many people are not cleaning their houses. You walk in and you're like, well, I don't I'm not understand it. All the houses Cheryl and I walked through that were just disgusting. Yeah. And but you're like, are you all, kidding me? I can't believe people live like that. And yeah. second of all, you're letting me see that you live like that. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to bring shame to my parents. I have, yeah. to, I have to have a clean house. Well, I think. Uh, you, not for me, but for other people. I think you definitely will sell faster if you move out. The other thing is when you walk in a house, I don't care. This is my experience from owning short-term rentals as well, right? Back in the day before Airbnb, you'd go to one and everybody would have their photos of their family. Nobody wants to see your family. Nobody cares. They rented your house because they want to imagine themselves there. They don't care where your kids went to school or what your favorite saying is. They do not care. So when you stage your house, it's about taking all of your personality out so they can see themselves. They don't want to open the closet. Which is hard because for you, it's better. 
Yes. Right? You think it's better because as you. Yes. And that's why a stager comes in because they know what appeals. I mean, I did it with my furniture, but that's probably because I had some experience. But a stager probably would have done a much better job. Yeah. If your furniture doesn't look like in a model home, yeah, have a staging company come in, stage it. You don't even have to stage the whole house. Stage the weird spots. Stage like the kitchen and the living room. Stage the master bedroom. Which and you can it, do with a blow-up mattress and some risers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? With six kids and a dog, all of our furniture, even when it's brand new, looks like we got it off the curb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fell off the back of a truck. Yeah. When we were just starting to get financially on our feet, we were selling a house. And I knew how important staging was and a hack, for lack of a better word, for people that might be in that situation that worked great for us was I paid stagers, but I paid them by the hour to just come and walk me through the house. And they told me what they would do to stage it. And then I did it all. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's a good idea. With your stuff. With your own stuff. We saved a ton of money on on staging just by paying. And I think I paid $200 for professional stagers to walk through and tell me what to do. It probably didn't end up is good. Did it hurt your feelings for them to tell you that your stuff is not so great? You no, know, because I, I already got that because I've been telling people I'd had professional meetings with different real estate people so that I could be a good financial planner and tell other people what to do. And they kind of drilled it into me that no stage, which is why I really wanted to get it stage because right. they showed me the numbers on what that would would cost. And then I thought there's no way in hell that I'm going to be able to afford this. Like I can't, there's right. no way I'm going to be able to afford this. And then another friend said, well, Ask if they'll do hourly. And the woman was like, yeah, no problem. Sure. I mean, I think that's the the message as well. And any, anything you're doing, especially in your finances, just ask, right? Yeah. So go ahead and ask. What's the worst they can do? They can say no, right? That's how I get guests on the show. That's how the podcast, that's uh, half of my investing has been me asking for things. And when I'm asking, I'm going... I can't believe I'm about to say this. I can't believe this is going to come out of my mouth when I'm going to say it. Anyway, see what happens. And then I do it and like I have an 80% hit ratio. I really do. And I, I think because people are taken aback and then they, they think to themselves, well, why not? What's why the downside? I? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Why won't I? Why won't I? But that's your that? sales background. True. That is totally your sales background. True. Yeah. True. But everybody should have training in sales. Just saying. Mr. Brandt, sell us on what you're your listeners are talking about on your show or, or asking you about. So my listeners and my clients both have the, kind of the same concerns. And from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep at night, it's all about taxes. Oh, you, you know, you, you work with some exciting people. Oh my gosh. It, it's everyone's favorite four letter word, right? It's, and you turn on the TV and it's, it's a $4 trillion yeah, I'm like, I'm counting taxes. <laughs> I think that was the joke. Yeah. I get it way later. I'm like, Oh, he's joking. <laughs> So income tax. So you turn on the TV and it's stimulus talk. It's student loan forgiveness talk. It's it's infrastructure, $4 trillion infrastructure package. And our clients are on the cusp of retirement and or living off their savings. Same with our listeners. And so they're sort of connecting the dots and reading between the lines that something is going to have to be done to pay for all this stuff. So we're looking at, you know, people are living off of their IRA and they know that I got a tax deduction to put all that money in my IRA. I know what the final chapter of that is. Somebody has to pay the income taxes on that. You take a $1 million IRA, there's a decent chance you might actually pay a million dollars over the course of your retirement to fund that retirement. And so people are looking at how can I sand the rough edges off the biggest bill that I'm about to pay over my lifetime. But if all your money is in a pre-tax spot, like a 401k or an IRA, it seems to me you've got two choices, eat and pay the tax or don't eat. And if you don't eat and defer, it'll just get worse, right? Because your investment account balances are growing and we're in the midst of a tax cut that's going to expire depending on who you listen to. And and so the longer you wait, and in fact, in retirement, the opposite lessons are always true, right? When you're in accumulation mode, the more deductions you take, the less tax you pay. But when you're in distribution mode, right, if you keep deferring, it just gets worse and worse and worse, right? It's Or you can convert those into a model, into a mechanism that can buy real estate and thereby roll into 1031 funds and... If you do it correctly, never pay capital gains if you decide to, especially like a vacation home. But that's just another tool to do, but it's pretty hard to figure all that stuff out when you're getting started. I'm thinking about, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that tax strategies, so few people outside of our nerd community, and by nerds, (laughs) I mean the people that I love and hang out with, like we think about it all the time. And it sounds like your listeners are in the same spot. And, and I know your listeners, I'm pointing at Mindy, that your listeners are the same. And I bet 
Jen, for you, it's the same too. But outside of that, I feel like people don't pay enough attention to taxes. But I wonder, more for our community, how much of this are we worried about the boogeyman? Are we worried about stuff that we really don't have any control over? You talk about who you listen to and what's going to happen in Washington. Like, how much of that, Benjamin, should we be worried about? And how much should we just do whatever the hell we're going to do? Well, I I think so much of our attention, you know, in the investment advisory world is around return. And we can't control return at all. But we can control our cash flow and we can control taxes to some extent. So that's where I want to focus all of our attention that we can, not on return or things like that out of our control is, is taxes is the one thing. And it's the one area that we have an advantage over the IRS too, because the IRS can only look at your taxes year by year, looking backwards, right? We can look, especially in retirement, forward and decide what our taxes are going to be ahead of time. Yes. So just like anything else with financial planning, the longer you plan ahead, the less taxes you're going to pay. Mm, that's like, Jen, what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, by planning ahead, what your tax structure is going to look like, Right. you can zero out a lot of it. I mean, for me, when I think about somebody like your client, I just think, you know, there's a myriad of opportunities that they can do. They're already looking at everything with you, but, you know, just exploring what the other opportunities are. The other thing about what you just said, I think is very true. I mean, I don't have a lot of money in the stock market, but I did buy into some stock early, like when it was low a year and a half ago. And GameStop. Yeah. No, I wish. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Bitcoin. No. And it's done well. But, you know, I remind myself, all right, so for example, if I put in 30000 and it's, it's now $100,000 and I say, all right, well, I'm going to pull out that money and people are like, oh God, you have to pay capital gains. And I'm like, uh-huh, on money that I didn't have. Right. That's right. That's right. I'm going to pay capital gains on money that I didn't have or, or more likely I'm going to pull it out and then I'm going to maneuver my real estate holdings and capital write-offs so that actually I will not pay those capital gains at all. So... A lot of folks, you know, that just check every day and what am I doing and I'm worth this and I'm worth that and just remember where you started. And I say that to people also when they invest, I'm like, if you're so nervous about it, then when it gets to a certain number, pull out what you put in in the first place, you know, so your heart isn't palpitating all the time. Yeah. I feel like often to your point, people spend so much time worried about taxes. They never live. Right. Because they're like, well, if I spend that money, I got to pay tax. Crazy. Crazy. Go live. Paying taxes means you did well. It means you made money. It's not like it's some penalty. It's part of living in our society. Who pays for the roads? Right. I mean, by the looks of the road by my house, nobody nobody pays for the roads in this town. Nobody. But you know, somebody has to pay for the police and the fire. And that's where taxes come into play. And like, I don't want to pay any more tax than I have to. I want to take advantage of, and I don't like to call them loopholes, but all of the little things in the tax code that allows me to reduce my taxes. I sell a house every two years. I pay zero capital gains. Mm -hmm. I'm actually looking forward to being so successful in my flip that I have to pay to capital gains. That's and that's funny. when I make $500,000 over and above how much I paid for it and how much I put into it. Right. Which I is really incredible. think that my current house could get me there. Right. And that's a win. When I was a young financial planner in Detroit, I'd listen to this dude on the radio and he would always say, Mindy, your point. He would say, my goal and your goal should be to have Bill Gates tax bill. Right. Like it's not to pay less tax. <laughs> right. It's to have right. this big, because if right. I've got this big honking tax bill, that means I did pretty kick ass with my money. Right. right. I mean, yes. if that's the goal. Yeah, we, I wanna... we tell our clients, pay what you owe, no gratuity. That's what we want <laughs> to do. Not, I, like oh, I like that. I like that. Don't tip on tax, really? No, no. <laughs> don't right. tip the federal government. I used to say I don't loan the federal government my, my money. That Thank you, money. Uncle. Thank you. You can. You can gift money towards the federal deficit. There is a place on the IRS website where you can oh, gift. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, one other thing. So right now. They're on GoFundMe, the U.S. sets up a GoFundMe. Um, Right now, I'm in the process of making another investment that will be a cash flowing investment. It's a great opportunity. It will cash flow. And so the way I'm probably going to do it is by cashing out these other assets that will carry capital gains. And is that going to stop me 
from getting a cash flowing opportunity, a cash flowing property? No, I'm probably just going to do it. And then I'm going to let my super wicked smart CPA help me figure it out. But if I have to pay, I have to pay. Yeah. You know, but I like the fact that it's two things because your CPA is going to going to figure out the, you know, the puzzle afterwards. Right. But to Benjamin's point, having that long range plan ahead of time, then you hand your CPA this kick butt stuff to work with that right. puzzle that's better. My CPA wishes he gets like a bucket of a bucket of stuff. <laughs> I haven't even given him it's the, the sh- bucket this it's year. It's the shoebox. He's like he's like Jennifer. Please don't wait till October fourteenth. Please. <laughs> uh, uh, Mindy, I want to end on this topic. A lot of people in your audience are part of the financial independence retire early crowd. I hear a lot from that crowd, especially about when it comes to taxes and what Benjamin's talking about, about location arbitrage, right? About moving to a place where the tax bill is lower. And yet your family's in a place, your friends are in a place. Location arbitrage a good thing or is the fire community overplaying that? So this is where you should all be live-in flippers because then you move a lot and you don't care. Or you should be military brats like Ben, or you should be uh, corporate brats like I was. I just moved into my 28th house. Are you saying you just shouldn't care about friends and move a lot? I should say should have no friends. Are you no wondering friends. why she, she's, she's not your friend? I know. She's, she, I don't have any friends. She makes that clear every time she comes <laughs> Maybe out. Maybe that's why she friend. moves. Like people are like, oh my God. And yeah, they get to know me. Yeah. And conveniently, <laughs> it's within that two year window. Yeah, thank goodness that's two years because that's just about the time. So, right. so there's this little thing called the internet and there's oh. video calls and we have a cousin. She lives in a northern state around her entire family. And she just reached out to us and said, hey, I've got a job interview in Greeley. And I'm thinking to myself, your whole life is surrounded by your family and your friends. But mostly, like every weekend, there's a family get together. Are you going to be able to do that? And in some cases, that's not going to be the best choice. I think it's something that you really have to look at at yourself. How much is a flight on Southwest? It's like a hundred bucks or something. So you can go visit people and have meaningful relationships. But if you can retire an extra five years early because you don't have to pay California taxes and live in you know New York City or these very expensive places, that could be worth a lot. I mean, how much is your mental health worth? Right. If you have a job that you love and you know are fulfilled every day, maybe it doesn't bother you to stay there an extra five years. I think you should really look into it, look into your yourself and how you spend your weekends and your evenings and you know, are you really every day with family, then moving away from them is probably not going to be the best for your mental health. Or if you're like me and you move away from your family and you realize, oh, this is really a good thing. This and you is can way go back. better. You go back and it's <laughs> like short, short and quick. I call it get in, get out. Nobody gets hurt, right? So you just you like you go visit and it's long enough that there's no politics. I mean, we can only talk about the weather and cake mix for so long, but we managed to do it. I think another Geo arbitrage, though, is is micro. I'm throwing that in there. See that print. Look at that. <laughs> micro geo arbitrage, meaning if there's an opportunity, and I think this is what I was saying earlier, maybe it's not Nashville and it's super sexy, or maybe it's not downtown Denver. It's some little outlying neighborhood because that's where your opportunity is. Just go there and then arbitrage because you had a better ROI and go here and go there. I find that people are really... They say, well, I want to build wealth and I want to do these things, but I just don't want to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, then I guess you're, I guess you're happy. You're happy where you are. Got to be a little uncomfortable, I would think. Yeah. I would think, Benjamin, being uncomfortable is like the one thing you got to get comfortable with. I had a coach that I listened to not long ago who said comfort is cancer. No. I think it's a good place to leave it. Guys, thanks a ton for hanging out. Let's find out what's going on where you all work. Jennifer, what's coming up on the Micro Empires podcast? Um, I'm just sharing more and I have some really good interviews coming up with some great people. I'm really excited about it. Just wrapped season three. Just really excited about that and happy to be here at Podcast Movement. We're on episode about 1,075 or 80. Wow. And we're still in season one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. I don't really know where to make the break. Um, so Apparently, we don't either. I'm calling it season three, but honestly, I'm like, yes. you know. Yeah. Is season three the one where Sam and Diane finally hook up? I think so. Is that? Oh, no, you know what? It's when Ross and Rachel went on a break. Ross and Rachel, that's they right. definitely on a break. That's next season on Micro Empires. <laughs> yes. What's going on at Bigger Pockets Money, Mindy? 
We now have two episodes every week. On Monday, we release our money episode where we dive deep into someone's money story and see where they started and how they got to where they are today. On Fridays, we do a Finance Friday where we look at a listener's finances and see what suggestions Scott and I can make to help them further themselves down the path that they may not be seeing. We're hoping to start another episode where we take a deep dive into a specific type of investment. So we just did a two-hour episode on real estate syndications, everything you need to know before you invest in a real Uh, estate syndication. Lots of questions people don't ask that they should. Lots of questions that people don't ask. And they don't know what to ask. That's the thing. I'm an investor in syndication. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this before you showed up because you were late, Joe. Again. We were talking about like... I'm sitting right here. Yes. <laughs> Jennifer said, oh, I just discovered this thing. And I was like, yeah, how do I know what Benjamin doesn't know? How do I know what Jennifer doesn't know? Here's everything I know. Nobody's going to listen to that. So that's kind of why we do the show, to teach you what you don't know because you don't know the questions to ask when you've never even heard of it. You just think, ooh, real estate syndication is sexy. I'm going to invest. Yeah. What, what's a capital call? Exactly. That's bad. Joe. My stomach just went. No, my stomach <laughs> went. Oh, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Mr. Brandt, what's happening at Retirement Starts today? Today. today. Yeah, we're, we are tackling the topics on the mind of the modern retiree. So every Monday morning, we go over the retirement headlines and we answer listener questions. About a 20-minute episode every Monday. And then because everybody's talking about taxes right now, and that's sort of my whole world, I'm actually launching a second podcast with my buddy, Stephen, who's a CPA, and that's the Retirement Tax Podcast. So uh, to be launched, but tune in to Retirement Starts today, and we'll, we'll tell you how to find it. You and I are talking about that name, though. Right, right. So it, it's going to be some combination of the word retirement and taxes. <laughs> and whoever hasn't, whoever has not bought that URL. not bought that one. That's yeah, the one I, he's I, getting. I got to buy the URL before this launches. So it's I got to re- buy like five of them just in case. Retirement-tax.tv. Dot less. Dot negative. Dot pay less. That's catchy. Asterisk. I'm all over that URL all the time. I'm going to bid you up. Right. All right, team. Thanks a ton. That's a wrap. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our panel. Staging your house when selling? At least do some cleaning, but a staging ahead of time and thinking about what sells can really go a long way. Second, how about another lesson from our panel? Bill Gates' tax bill? I'll take it. Remember, more money is the goal, not lower taxes. However, if you can smooth the ride by paying less, I mean, why not? But the big lesson? Do a little research before jumping to your conclusion, peeps. Be more like me and really explore what's real instead of what we hope or think might be true. Well, you know, at least before you end an episode. Better late than never, as I always say. To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To learn more about Mindy Jensen, listen to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. For more Benjamin Brandt, check out the Retirement Starts Today radio podcast. And for Jennifer Grimson, head over to the Micro Empires podcast. This show is the property of SB Podcasts LLC, copyright 2021 and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe, and it's all free. It's called The Stacker, and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, 
type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, reminding you, don't put off tomorrow anything. You can put off until the day after tomorrow. That's way better than tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. Joe, I have really enjoyed not spending any time with you so far at this conference. We, I went to your meetup last night. I talked to you for 14 seconds, and then I had some lovely conversations with your listeners. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's the way to do it. That's the so way you do it. A Joe Salcihai meetup. Just ignore me the whole time? Yes. Spend zero time with Joe and talk to the lovely listeners as well. It's yeah. just, and and they, were, they were fantastic people. Really, really nice. Yes. Had great conversations about the real estate market in Nashville and around. Which is crazy. I live here in Nashville, so the market is insane. I mean, it's insane everywhere, I assume, but it's super crazy here. I don't know if this is too loud or not. It seems to be in the, it, go, it goes into the red when we really get going. Well, I think the amazing Steve Stewart can fix any garbage that you throw at him. I don't know. If you're over-modulating, it could be super bad. But. I don't even know what's... Mo- I don't know what modulating is. Clip, I'm probably clipping. doing yeah, it right you don't, now. You don't want to doing it wrong. You are what's modulating happening? all over us. I'm a modulation us. monster <laughs> nightmare. I have no idea what that is. Jennifer, means. stop modulating. I can't even. I don't know what that means. I'm this scared. is a public event. I know. Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> Again. I went to a presentation this morning, and she said two fingers away from the microphone, so I cannot oh, get she? any farther away. Okay. She's the woman from Heil, Michelle, whose last name I did not catch. Sorry, Michelle. From Heil Microphones? Yeah. That's that's my microphone at home. That's mine at two, the PR40. Yes. I don't have that one. Now I feel left out. I don't have that. I have this, and it's like hanging with duct tape. This is my life. <laughs> is, I, don't, I don't have a crew at home. This, is, a, a, this a, is the Micro Empires podcast yes. right here. Listen, that's not where we spend our money. That's not how we build our wealth. I record all my shows on a hand-me-down ATR2100 from Steve Stewart. Nice. I went and bought the Shure SM7B because I heard that was the microphone they recorded Thriller on. Ooh, don't use it. It sits on a shelf. Yeah. It's the Steve Stewart hand-me-down that gets all of my downloads. I did the same thing. I bought that Shure microphone, the one that they use in like, the, it looks like it's from the 1950s. Yeah. Because I'm like, how bad can it be? And it looks badass. And yes. if we do any type of social media, I got that thing. It is horrible. Yeah. Like it's so tinny. Yeah. So it sits on my desk. I think I have that same one. Early on, I like asked someone advice and they were like, you must have this microphone device. And it was like, it's a, I don't know, it's a space box and you take it around and record and it was, you know, $400 and it's never come out of the box. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So this is like the weirdest after show we ever had. Yeah. yeah. Except we're still, we have it's to like, start the show. Nerds. No, this is going at the end of the show. Oh. oh okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. She's catching up slow. Yeah. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.